We are I. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to another edition of We Are I. Um, this is going to be a little bit different of a We Are I episode because this is kind of more of like a breaking news uh, style of story. So uh, this story will be featured or has already been on uh, global news and CTV news. Like it, it'll be widely covered within, you know, BC and, you know, maybe, you know, even across Canada for that matter. Um, you know, this... Uh, this story involves, you know, a local business um, to BC that has a pretty big brand name in BC with um, in the in regards to like the fitness community. So um, I'm not going to get into too much detail about what it's going to be because we're going to cover that a little bit later on. But um, I have the woman here who's pioneered this whole situation and has been, you know, at it like started it, created it from the grassroots level to all the way up to where it's at right now. So. Um, we're gonna sit down and we're gonna talk with Sharon. And first of all, we're gonna cover a little bit of Sharon's backstory, so you can get to know a little bit more. You know who Sharon is. You know why she got involved in the fitness industry, the certification she's had, the places that she's taught, and like the awards that she's received. You know because, like, I want to bring like a lot of authenticity to Sharon and who she is as an individual um, to be able to understand that this claim is coming from you know somebody who is held in an incredibly high regard not only within this specific company but also within the fitness industry in general so uh, welcome to the show Sharon thank you thanks for having me no problem <laughs> so if you could give us maybe a little bit of uh, a little bit of a backstory about you know like why did you even get involved in the fitness industry in the first place yeah so I was one of those enthusiastic front row participants way back in the day and uh, couple of instructors classes that I attended pulled me aside one of them in particular and said you know you you really seem to enjoy this and I think you'd be really good at good at it so you should consider becoming an instructor and that was um, in in the 90s in the late 90s so I started to pursue it and um, loved it and so this is I'm now in my 20th year of being a group fitness instructor where and was this where you're taking these classes? This like? was at Spa Lady. Spa Lady. Spa Lady in Burnaby, and it's no longer there. I think they still have some locations in Calgary. Um, but Spa Lady, yeah, in Coquitlam or Burnaby, like on the border there. And, um, yeah, I, I started to pursue it and, and loved it. And, um, you know, I, it, was, um, it was great. And then I thought from there... Um, it helped me, I had some health issues. I had an autoimmune condition for many years of my life. I was diagnosed when I was 17. And um, being active and um, being involved in fitness has always been a part of my, my life. Uh, however, w once I got diagnosed with this autoimmune condition, which um, at some times, it, you know, I've had some close calls, I've had many surgeries and whatnot, um, the fitness aspect of it has really kept me on track and helped me to actually overcome my medical condition because I actually don't have it anymore. I was oh, declared wow. cured of this supposedly incurable, irreversible autoimmune condition, which is called tachyasus arteritis. And um, so 
my own story can be applied to other people. People can relate to me and vice versa on, on how fitness really is important in, in a day in your lifestyle, right? To, to maintain health and, and all the benefits of fitness. And Was it the, the physical fitness component that helped uh, cure your autoimmune disease or was it a combination between, you know, like fitness and then the subsequently like the nutrition that came along with it or like you know how does that all come into play yeah it's all that it's the it's the being being sensible in many aspects of of your lifestyle and being surrounded by positive people right i mean along along the way if you feel like somebody's not helping you to achieve your goal you you'll you'll feel that right and um, your intuition will will kind of turn you on to that and yeah so it's it, I've had huge support from family friends um, all along the way and that's really important and um, yeah so then when I moved from um, Coquitlam over to the other side of the bridge then um, I became a member at Steve Nash Fitness World in Langley, and I started. And that was back when it was, was just Fitness World, or that was yeah, that's right. That was just Fitness World at that time. In '98, they were doing pre-sales in Willowbrook Mall, and it officially opened in '99. So, to be clear, when it was Fitness World, and the owner was Henry Pulaski, it was an entirely different, different vibe, different environment, different culture. Um, and then in 2009, it he sold it and it got sold to um, the American owners that that have it now and, and the American upper management that run it now. Okay. Yeah. So you know, when you became a member of Steve Nash, was that already at a time when, you know, like did you do your BCRP certifications by then, or were you still kind of formulating this thought of that you might want to get into like you know group fitness or group instructing or you know personal training in general? Yeah. So when I joined, I had just become certified, and um, I was still doing some teaching at the spa lady and commuting from Surrey to Burnaby, and um, the supervisor or manager at the Langley Fitness World you know, took me under her wing and saw, also, I approached her and I said, I'm just, you know, newly certified. And, and she actually did my instructor competency evaluation or in BCRPA, what we re refer to as the ICE, right? So that's the, that's the test that you do in order to become certified. So I had connected with her uh, from the beginning and she did my, my ice in 1999 and she's a dear friend of mine to this day and so is the woman that encouraged me to go this route from spa lady we're dear friends to this day too wow what great personal connections to still maintain because like that's like the roots of like how you've got to sitting here today yeah and so then it wasn't until 2004 that I actually uh, got on board as an instructor uh, at fitness world and then, as I was mentioned before, in 2009, the branding changed, the ownership changed, and everything started to change yeah. from January 2010. Yeah. So when you started in 2004, like what was, um, like how come you waited from like 99 until 2004? Is that just like, you know, you started to get a little bit more comfortable in the fitness industry, kind of fine tuning who you are, getting your identity 
of an instructor? It was a combination of work and and, and um, schooling and my autoimmune condition uh, and then I had a really big surgery coming up in 2005 so I had said to my supervisor I'd prefer to just participate and maybe do a bit of subbing um, I was scheduled to have major vascular surgery in May of 2005 and then I said after I recover from that I definitely would like to come on board as a more regular instructor Yeah. so it had to do with a lot of a lot of lifestyle factors. Factors, yeah. But I still kept up with my fitness in the meantime, even right up to the time that I needed to have that surgery, which then I had to recover from for two to three months. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So have you always been, you know, because I, I know we haven't covered it, and, you know, we can probably, you know, cover right now, like, all the different certifications that you have. Um you know, is that something that you've always really been interested in? Like, you just like the pursuit of the continued education? I know it's a requirement of the BCRPA as well, but, you know, like, is that just, like, like who you are as a person? And maybe, you know, walk us through to, like, all the certifications that you hold right now. Yeah, so through, through BCRPA and just because of my interest in diverse disciplines within group fitness and, and everything and just wanting to, I'm just so interested in, became very interested in so many different styles of fitness. So I um, started out with being group fitness certified in your traditional aerobics, you know, and and, uh, that kind of high-low and step classes and stuff, and then got interested in indoor cycling, so got that certification. And um, then several years later, like in the early, uh, say like 2012, around there, I decided I was interested in yoga up to then it was like go 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 and then this started to feel like I need something I need something a little bit more chill or something to balance this out a bit and then it was yoga so did the yoga certification and started teaching yoga and um, in the last three years um, have become interested in aqua aquatic fist fitness um, and uh, the benefits of that of, of uh, non-weight bearing having an altern- alternative um, exercise option in the pool and um, that's been really that's been really great to pursue too so so my major ones are are group fitness indoor cycling aqua fit and yoga and I also have uh, certifications in BOSU I'm very interested in kettlebell work Indian club work uh, I work with um, the personal size trampolines which was a certification called um, jump sport where you do a class on the trampolines and pound where you work with your drumsticks and pound it out to tracks I was certified uh, in Zumba Uh, so so dance classes Zumba La Blast I've done I um, oh my gosh I mean there's just so many right I, I so many formats that I'm interested in that I pursued that I I'm able to kind of pull out of my bag of tricks and incorporate them into my other classes, which is great. And then every year I tend to attend uh, at least one or two fitness conferences to keep current. Yeah. So for anybody who isn't really, you know, maybe like paying attention or counting, counting those, like, you know, we had at least 10 or 11 that Sharon explained to us there, and she has more than that. So, you know, again, you know, like building this to like the credibility that, you know, like when Sharon talks of in the fitness industry, this isn't, 
you know, like somebody who's just done like fitness theory, you know, like she's somebody who has like vast knowledge about the fitness industry, not only from the years that she's been in it, but obviously continues her education. You know, anything that's new and current, she's, you know, heavily involved in, you know, she's always going back to be able to get new certifications and, you know, stay on the cutting edge of everything in the fitness industry. So, you know, it's like when, when Sharon talks, this is somebody that we need to listen to. <laughs> so, you know, kind of, you know, maybe like explain like, you know, you, you explain the, the culture of what it was like before, um, like the American owners, you know, took over fitness world and you know, like, what were some of the initial changes that you, you started to see like immediately, you know, like when it went from like this, this nice BC run company, cause I take it, it was strictly BC run, um, into that became in, you know, absorbed into this, you know, like a uh, multinational corporation. Yes, so it was um, local before limited to the Lower Mainland, and and once it changed into big corporation, we definitely lost some of our top most sought out trainers, and it turns out they left because there was going to be um, heavy, heavy sales expectations of them. So. A little detraction from the focus of personal training with your client and care for the client it was sell 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 sessions sell 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 these nutritional products and some of them were like well I don't use that nutritional product I don't believe in it why am I gonna sell it to somebody if I don't believe in it and they're like nope you need to sell X amount dollars of this and you need to sell X amount dollars of personal training sessions if you don't, you're not gonna get your commission. And so everything changed to heavy, heavy, hard sales and money, 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 money. Was and there any commission-based uh, sales or any like commission to be claimed, you know, like when uh, Fitness World was still a BC-run company? Or was it just more of a straight pay? They, they, were, they were paid um, per, Per session with their clients that they also did get bonuses or commission I think if they performed well there was incentive for that but it wasn't done in an in an underhanded way it was more just like you know like you you chose to excel you know like at your profession and you yeah. know like, and people you know like because this is all pre-social media really big explosion too you know before like yes. fitness history became right. like, you know big so like like this was you know your name got built in your community very organically not getting a lot of traction and help from like facebook and instagram That's and right. twitter and you know snapchat right. and all that kind of stuff right so yes and so when this new sales model came in a lot of really great trainers had no choice but to leave because they didn't believe in in that and they were not they weren't gonna they weren't gonna do that they weren't gonna compromise their integrity but what great integrity like that speaks a lot to them you know like saying like this is obviously like you know like the backbone of my profession like I, I've relied on this place to be able to provide an income for me, you know me or my family or anything yes. you know, say like I have these morals and these standards and these ethics that I want to live by and you know like I don't want to be able to pump products that I don't personally use or you know like it just become all about the sales and decide to leave like that must have been very sobering to see these people leave you know based on those grounds alone Yes, and then the the quality of of uh, 
trainers coming in you know you get the odd really good talented one but then they leave too because they're smart and eventually they figure out that this isn't right what's going on and they leave so the turnover rate now has been very high in a lot of the departments including personal training um, sales front desk how do you feel about that? Because like this is always my my beef with like you know big box gyms and selling personal training, especially selling personal training at such a premium rate. You know where it could be somebody who just you know maybe like a few weeks before finished their certifications. You know you know maybe took like a six week course or you know call it even six months or or maybe even they invested a year into it, but yeah. you know be billing them out at like a hundred or a hundred and twenty dollars an hour, claiming them to be like experts in their field and. Like I just, I've always really struggled with that because then people's expectation of paying like all of this money come in and expect that. But you know, just like what you said, and we all know like the turnover rate is so high. And yeah. you know, like a lot of these people, like they're, they're just focused on like, okay, well I need more billable hours and you get these people in. Okay, well the club's billing out at maybe 100 or 120. I'm getting my 20, 25 or 30 or whatever they may be getting paid. You know, so I need to work more hours. You know, I need to work more. Like do you, have you seen like a, a decline in like professionalism and you know maybe like individual programming for clients with trainers now than what you did before when like these trainers were more just they were interested in building like their own personal brand you know before um, this multinational company took over? Of course, yeah, we've all seen instructors uh, recycling the same program for multiple people, which shouldn't be happening right because they're so under the gun they don't have enough time between clients to uh, maybe make a new program or they haven't had time the day before or the night before because they're at work for 10 12 sometimes even more hours and there's uh, different rates of pay for different things and um, for many of those hours they're actually not even getting paid they're getting zero dollars per hour and if they're prospecting they might get approved to two to three hours max of non-session hours which are equivalent to minimum wage mm -hmm. and if they have a client base um, which probably isn't likely if they're new um, and then the d there's different levels of, of trainers so there's a level one level two level three and then a level four which some of them call themselves, you know, master trainers or elite trainers. And so the price goes up with whatever level of trainer that you've hired. Um, and yeah, the, the, the split between the cost of what the, per, what the customer pays as to what that trainer ends up with is, uh, it's, it's not always, it's not 50-50. That's not how it works. The company gets most of it. And so these personal trainers are almost like desperate to try and um, get more clients, get more sales, sell more nutritional product, and it's it's all for the. It's not uh, a, a very good uh, reasons for doing doing what they're doing in the way that they're doing it. Um, but the do you pressure. Think it, is, do you think it's irresponsible for the, these big box gyms to still sell it as personal training when there's really nothing like actually personal about it? Because you know, like for me, like when I approach personal training, I, I like to, you know, talk to people on the phone, you know, initially, you know, I like to get to know them, we'll sit down, we'll meet, I'll, we'll go for coffee, just from like a personality side, like, you yes. know, are our personalities even going to jive? You know, and a lot of that, again, like those are like those unpaid hours you just have to put in, but like for me, like this is, 
this is a relationship that has to like synergistically work for both of us. You know, then, you know, like when people come in, it's like, well, you know, they might have a clear path they want to follow, but you might need to peel three or four or six onion skins back to be able to start dealing with some like issues before you get into that. And you don't know any of that until you actually start training that person. That's you know, right. like, you know, what are they like if they come in in the morning or the evening or do you train in the morning? Sometimes in the evening, sometimes, you know, like, you know, where are they stiff? Where are they immobile? You know, like what, what is this person? And, yeah. you know, I feel when you do those things like that becomes like individualized, like personal training, you know, but when you're looking at these big box gyms where somebody comes in and people are recycling these programs through, you know, multiple different clients, it's like, the risk for injury goes up. Like there's no, there's nothing personal about it. It's not, you know, dealing with people's individual needs or anything like that. Like, do you think they should even change the way that they sell their personal training? Just oh, like call sure, it, like, just sure. even training in general? For sure, but there's no intention of doing that because that would, that would prevent them from making money hand over fist like they claim they are using the methods that they are using now. Um, the conscientious people who figure out that what's going on is not right are the ones that end up leaving and setting up their own shops or finding other reputable places to work as, as a contractor rather than as an employee. Mm -hmm. So the issues here are also to do with the fact that we're employees. They want to have us under their thumbs like we're employees. They want to have us under their thumbs as employees, but treat us like contractors. And you're one or the other. You can't. You're you're not both. You can't have your cake and eat it too. Mm -hmm. So a lot of these problems have arisen because they have uh, chosen to ignore and disrespect disrespect the Canadian and British Columbian um, labor laws. Mm -hmm. So we've kind of like just like dabbled a little bit of like you know what. Your, what the expectation was on you guys as instructors and trainers, you know, before this company took over, um, you know, but then as like it shifted, it became a little bit more, you know, like sales focused, you know, you gotta sell these supplements, you gotta sell this training, you gotta sell these classes, um, you know, through like the evolution of just like, you know, like technology or, you know, like environmental factors, is there anything else that this company, you know, started expecting of you guys, you know, that, you know that you didn't seem fair that took up like personal time that you guys weren't getting paid for like were you like mandated that you spend time in the gym trying to you know sell or stay before or after classes x amount of time or post things on social media like was there any of those kind of expectations yeah all of that so because i'm a group fitness instructor i'd been sheltered or um, shielded from the extent of the exploitation that was going on especially in the personal training department uh the way that my my role worked was that I would go in, teach a class, and then leave. But the reason why and how I got to know what's going on in personal training is because I became friends with the personal trainers. I was starting to do a series, a free series of yoga classes for them as a team workout on Tuesdays for for a couple months. I did that, and um, so you know things like that where I gave my time for free. Um, and wasn't compensated. I mean, that that's kind of something that they would expect of people. I mean, uh, group fitness instructors, as employees, we were expected, we're expected to be there early. I mean, that's the case in a lot of 
a lot of establishments. You get there early so you can greet your participants, set up your music, get make sure your equipment is available and, and working fine and all that. And so that's time before the class. And inevitably after the class, you want to connect with your participants. And so you're usually there for at least 15 to 20 minutes. And as employees, that's been unpaid time. Um, Was there ever like a, a time they said, okay, well, you have to be here 10 minutes early or you have to be here 15 minutes early or that you have to stay after to do these things or did they just oh, kind yeah. of... Oh yeah, it's in employment agree. It's in the employment agreements that some of us have. It says that you're expected to arrive 10 to 15 minutes early and you're expected to stay, you know, 10 minutes after at least. But I mean, it's never that short. I mean, a lot of us are there 15 minutes before and depending on the class, you have cleanup and then socializing with your participants after and it's a good 20 minutes at least and um well, especially you know like you know as like we both know like you know some people will be coming from like you know like work or like school drop off or they might be you know 20 25 minutes early you know but you just happen to get there a little bit early too then you end up getting in conversation you know which which is great you know but mm -hmm. when you're an employee somewhere not getting paid for that like those are the things that become universally tough you know because like you want the interpersonal connection you like the the person you want to build the friendship you know but at the end of the time like this is also your personal time yes so i mean the issue with that is for group fitness instructors according to employment standards act the section 34 which is daily minimum pay even if you go in to teach for one hour class your employer should be paying you a minimum two hours and then for the personal trainers, their daily minimum pay would be four hours. And that's not been happening. And everybody um, in each department is encouraged um, or expected to post heavily on social media to promote their work on their own time for free. Um, was there ever a discussion like like a, a paid per post you know like no like a dollar per post no. or two like... no because it's there's a section in the employment agreement that talks about this that it's encouraged so they're not they're not they're not forcing you to however um, you know when group fitness instructors ask for and have their evaluation one of the one of the criteria that comes up is that why somebody might not be getting as much of a raise is oh we see you you don't post on social media so I mean how, how is that fair you know you're it can't it's can't be expected of you to spend your own time and your own personal social media accounts to do that and then have it be held against you if you don't even have a social media account or you just don't post you only post stuff that has to do with your personal life not your not your work life I mean that's but that but that has happened and it's even more so uh, with personal trainers they look at all those factors like how present are you how um, you know out there are you and then the member like for member sales and even some of the personal trainers uh, they have these boxes where they like to put them into restaurants or places where it's like you sign a little paper with your name and 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 you, if you put it in the box you could win a free training session or something and that's how they get customers in and so whoever's got to be dropping off these boxes at these different locations that's their time that's their fuel that and that's them driving around doing all this they don't get paid for that they don't get paid for doing that see and those are things that like you know that I wouldn't even know because I would assume that would be somebody like a um, 
like a, a group fitness coordinator or like a like a personal trainer coordinator that like that would be a part of their job description and they would be getting paid to do that not yeah. just like it was an individual responsibility to be able to do that yeah no group fitness we don't we haven't done any of that I mean a lot of group fitness people have full-time jobs already like they're teachers they you know are in the education system or they work in retail or accounting I mean we've got some really professional people who um, some are employers themselves, so they know what's they know what's been going on is wrong, right? But uh, n- nobody's really ever said anything. I mean, the personal trainers are expected to wear a uniform. However, they're made to pay for their clothing, which if you're an employee, that's not right. The employer should be providing your clothing for you, and if uh, appropriate, they should even be giving you an, a laundry allowance mm-hmm. if you're going through your clothing quickly. And, uh, and then what happens is if someone resigns, they have the nerve to ask them for the clothing back. Oh, wow, well, yeah. Yeah. So that happens. And then, uh, so the whole business of this $0 per hour to this non-session uh, minimum wage rate that they have, and then the personal training or session rate that they have, and then some of the personal trainers are also um, do class, teach classes in the group fitness area. So a different rate will be will be assigned for that. So they could have, including the $0 per hour rate, out to four different rates of pay as an employee, which isn't right. Well, that and, you know, like, you know, you could see, like, the, the confusion that would come from that. Like, if if I was personally operating under the expectation that I was in, say, category C for getting paid, you know, which maybe let's call it, you know, $13 an hour, you know, but they classified it as category A, which might be $10 per hour. You know, like you did, like you see, like just the amount of confusion that would come from that. And then, you know, like the one thing that I was also thinking, like when you're talking about, like, you know, posting about, you know, like social media, like I see it online all the time where you like when people would post things, but you know, out front of like Steve Nash, or, like in the gym, or you know, like all those, you know, different environments where you kind of get a feeling without really thinking about that they actually really like this place. You know, and obviously, you know, with like, especially with personal training, it has a lot to do with those interpersonal connections. You're like, well, if my trainer likes this place, I'm going to like this place mm-hmm. because of that. Like, you might not forwardly think of that, but like, I immediately started to feel that way when you were explaining it. But this person might not like this place at all. Mm-hmm. They just look at it as this is where I'm going to get a raise. Yep. This is part of my obligation. I'm going to do it because it's expected of me even though I might not feel that way, but that's how a lot of them are operating over there. Um, They haven't been paying stat pay, so even in group fitness, some of us have qualified for stat Monday pay and never been paid it, and and that's how my whole thing has kind of come to be, is I discovered in late November last year that I have been eligible for stat Monday pay and never received it, and I've been teaching them for six years and so there are others out there that qualify for stat pay also. Um, and then personal trainers, I mean, they're there all the time and they've never been paid stat pay. They have overtime, they've never been paid overtime pay. They don't get proper breaks um, where their mandatory meetings are, um, are included, sneakily included in their lunch breaks, during their lunch breaks where they go in and they congregate and discuss business while they're eating so that's unpaid time and it's their meal break so there's a whole bunch of things wrong with that um they uh yeah they get 
sales deferred maybe from one month to another so it appears that they didn't make their quota so then the company is not obligated to pay commission that happens a lot or sales get stolen or commissions get stolen um, and sometimes more often than not up the chain to like a more of a manager type so then the little guy at the bottom of the totem pole can never get ahead and they burn these people out there's so many cases of anxiety, panic attacks, adrenal fatigue, people ending up at the doctors, in the hospital. Um, they're supposed to have medical leave, time off, um, maybe up to 10 days. Even with a doctor's note, there's been cases where three or four days in, the manager is texting that person. Are you coming back soon? Like, we need you, you know? And they've, they've gone there with the doctor's note saying, I, I, my doctor says I need this time off. And... Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, because if, if, you're, if you're not gonna come back soon, we might have to think about replacing you or your job might not be here when, and they, they, it's all about intimidation and giving that feeling of like, oh, you know, like what's gonna happen? I need this job and. Well, that's like, that's like 1940s fear of working, you know, yeah. like 40s, 50s, you know, like where, you know, if you didn't show up for work one day that, you know, you might show up the next day and your job is gone, you know, mm -hmm. like, and, you know, like, we shouldn't be living under those, you know, kind of conditions, you know, mm -hmm. anymore, especially when, like, the environment is creating that, and, like, those are always the hard things when you have, like, an environment like a, like a fitness center where, you know, people have a chance to be able to sell something but then collect that commission under somebody else. That's where I've always thought I don't understand why there's not just more of, like, a balloon commission and it's based under like you know like work hours or if they have like these trainer delegations where you're like a beginner trainer or you know like a master trainer like something where you would get a percentage of those those commissions or something like that because there, there's so much room for error and then the problem with that is is it creates animosity amongst your staff you yeah. know but then then management has to step in and try to you know put those flames out and then it just creates this hostile work environment in yeah. general but inevitably it's like you know the managers will have their favorites and those people might be given new new clients before somebody else or you know even if somebody else did the prospecting and uh Yes, there's always the chance that somebody can step in and say, oh, no, I think this person might be better suited with this trainer or something. You know, there's there's all kinds of, of stuff that's been going on. And then within within the location, even at Langley, they uh, everybody knows, it's like a running joke, they reward um, a certain person in there to be a rat, basically, mm -hmm. or a mole. And so if something untoward is going on, that person um, texts the man, one of the managers or higher up and lets them know what's going on. And then before you know it, that person is in a meeting. Yeah, right? achieving some kind of status or you know, getting extra clients or... No, like being reprimanded. I'm oh, saying reprimanded. That, oh, okay. I'm saying that, for instance, you know, um, somebody has been taking clients mm -hmm. privately yeah outside of that right and it gets you know the word gets out well this designated person that upper management has chosen to be the one the informant mm -hmm. will rat that person out and uh, they get a what talking a to yeah what a crazy to. environment to well, try to survive in you know and that's what happened to me i hadn't been on the premises for so long i'm still an employee i just was on a leave and um the entire group fitness 
department was excluded from a town hall, annual general town hall meeting that occurred in, in, in January. And I found out about it. I texted one of my friends who was still at that time a current employee working that day on the floor. I said, hey, I heard there was a town hall meeting. I didn't get the email. Can you send me the handout? Sure, you know, text back. Sure, oh, that's too bad. You, you missed it. I'll, I'll send it to you. As he's sending me the information, calls out around the front desk. Does anybody have uh, Sharon Freeman's email address? I'd like to, I, I just need to send her this handout from the town hall meeting. 20 minutes later or so, he gets a phone call. It's the CEO on the phone saying to him, he's received information that he was asking for my email and has reason to believe that he's sending me confidential information that he'll be getting a cease and desist letter the next day. Wow, that just, and you think like you would want all of your employees to be on, on the same page, like why why hold a town hall? Is it kind of, it, it kind of laughs in the face of calling it a town hall in general. Yeah. Town hall is like open yeah. to the public for like anybody or, you know, like for the staff or anybody to be able to come to be able to understand what's happening in the company. Yeah. And the other thing too is um, earlier I had direct emails with that same CEO about us being continuing to be included in the town halls and he had promised the formation of an employee advisory committee um, as a means to try and provide um a place where we could talk about um, work concerns and issues and address them and deal with them in a solution-based manner and uh, also that n uh, not only were we going to be invited to the general town hall where everybody was invited he offered to then have a town hall for just group fitness where we could go and talk openly um, without our managers there and I have those emails. And but like, why would you even want to talk openly in an environment well, like that? Well, after like, something like that, yeah, yeah. After now, then the true colors start to come out. And um, this is one employee sharing company information with another employee and getting reprimanded and accused of possibly sharing confidential information, which makes no sense because we're both employees and we're both privy to that same information. It affects, it has to do with the operation of the company, you know, and how it's performing and what future targets are. And, and that's what the town hall is. I mean, you know, I, I, I had a copy of the handout and there's nothing top secret in it, you know, that is, but anyway, so that. But you could see if it was like one of this trainer's clients or, you know, just like some members of the gym, you know, where they, like, I could, I could see that. Sure, I could sure. appreciate it. Like this yeah. is intellectual property of the company. But again, like you've highlighted that, you know, you guys are all employees. Like I, there could even be a disconnect that I could justify in my mind that if you were like a subcontractor or a contractor yeah. into this company and they were an employee, I could see that, you know, but like yeah. if you guys are legitimately both, you know, employees of this company, again, why wouldn't you want your staff helping each other even meet these company goals yep. uh, because because by then they knew they they knew that I had filed a complaint with employment standards right I had tried to resolve my issues directly with payroll directly with the CEO through emails phone calls and um, finally I started to get the strong gut feeling that there is no intention of changing anything or doing things according to employment standards. So I thought, 
I'm going to exercise my right to protect myself and I'm going to file this complaint and we'll, we'll see where it goes from here. And then from then on, payroll refused to address me directly anyway. They said going forward, we will communicate with you through employment standards. And I never heard from the CEO again after that because I had some outstanding questions that I had emailed directly to him. So it was radio silence after that. So, um, and prior to that, he kept insisting that this, I've always told all of you that I have an open door policy and I believe in complete transparency. Which is ironic because the even transparency amongst employees gets an employee reprimanded and, you know, a cease and desist order. Yeah, so they breed this culture of, really, it's each person for your own. And uh, there's this false kind of, you know, perfect sense of we're, we're a happy family team. And, I mean, there is some of that going on. But um, but for how long? You know, like, yeah. in, until somebody finds something out about another person, yeah. or in you know, until somebody makes like a you know, like a move that somebody else doesn't like, or you yeah. know, thinking about leaving, or you know, like anything along those lines before those cookies start to crumble. So, um, you know, you kind of like open the door now, like a few times. Like, why don't you explain to us? You know, like did it start with just the vacation, or not the vacation pay, yeah. but like the stat holiday pay that you weren't getting? Paying, then you you realize how much more it was than just that, or is this isolated just to stat holiday pay? No, for it was stat holiday pay, and then I thought. If they're not being honest about this, what else might be going on? So I started to look more closely and read the Employment Standards Act. I started talking to more people, especially the ones who left, um, asking them what, why they left, what kind of stories they had, what was going on. And then, then the depth and the magnitude of the unethical practice started to get revealed. Um, you know, not only with with us in group fitness, we've been um, told at least twice a year we have a mandatory meeting we need to attend. So up to the point where I filed my complaint with employment standards, we were getting paid 1.5 hours for mandatory meeting at minimum wage. So we should have been getting paid a minimum two hours at whatever our class rate was. There should be none of this two different rates of paid business because we're not contractors. We're employees. Um, so that was happening. And then now at the meetings that happened in January, they, they were paying 2.0 hours at minimum wage. So they're still refusing to do things correctly. And then they um, they'd finally dis uh, have assigned group fitness department company-based emails. So this is the only department, and they're all employees, that never had their own company email. Everybody was required to give their personal phone numbers and or emails and use those for means of communication. So as an employee at most places, when you're hired, you get assigned a company-based email. We've never had that, um, and especially once it became Steve Nash. Everybody else has an at snclubs.com email, and we've just, we've never had that. We've been excluded from that also. So that wasn't ever done right. And um, so then, then they said, well, from now on, you're only going to use this to communicate with no more personal um, communication through phones and your personal email. Use this, right? Because then they can also monitor what's being said and what they can see yep. what we're saying and doing, right? Especially after I've now launched a complaint with uh, 
Which even like the irony behind that is, is that, you know, like most people don't even communicate by email anymore anyway. I know like, like for me, it was kind of like a lot more like email based and over the years it got into text and now like a lot of it is like social media DMs like with like, you know, current members, current clients, new clients, you know, business contacts. They use Instagram, they use Facebook Messenger. So it's kind of a joke in a way because people are still using Facebook Messenger and text because they have their own little groups that they reach out to, especially if it's a niche type of thing, like the Zumba instructors, they only have a limited number of people that they can reach out to when they need a sub. The, the, this is not efficient using yeah. the, the new assigned email. Plus, as I mentioned before, many of them are employees at other places so they may have one or two personal emails they've already got another staff email from another place and now you have another one and everybody's like i'm not i'm not going to use that like they're not even paying me to to you know are they going to pay me for the extra time now that it's going to take me to learn this new email and go and look at my email and compose emails in here nobody's getting paid extra to do that either well, and, you know, it always comes back to, like, there's a lot of studies and reports now of, like, you know, saying that, you know, like, managers or, you know, like, other staff are not allowed to be able to contact people even via email because once you get it, like, you have, like, that, that overwhelming obligation that you should reply. Yeah. You know, but, like, it's not even something that you should really even see. And, like, that's the big debate going on right now is, like, you know, should you have access to your email and these things outside of actual work hours because we do as human beings you know feel that obligation that now i should start this dialogue because this dialogue has been sent to me yeah you know and all that happens like outside of work hours or you know kind of like like i'm sure that you've probably got a lot of these emails before um you know where it's like an email is sent and then saying okay well this meeting tomorrow well they were thing like there's a lot of people now they'll show up for a meeting that don't even know what the meeting's about and they'll say well we sent you an email last night it's like well that's fine but I didn't read it yeah you know but then they're made to feel guilty for not reading the email before the meeting yeah yeah and and it's technically outside of hours so Mm -hmm. I mean that's you know there's just no where you draw the line but uh so we kind of we talked about like with all these you know like work hours and like how the accumulation you know factors come into play so you know, like obviously this isn't like a, an issue just to you or just a group fitness you know at Steve Nash Fitness World but it's also with like uh, like personal training and the whole thing so um, you know maybe kind of explain you know like what has happened from the legal side of it now like you know like what what stands now like where's this gone so this I've launched this class action lawsuit uh, because there's so many problems so many different levels affecting so many people and so many people don't even know that they have rights as employees right so um, and if they challenge as I as I discovered myself as, as long as you're doing everything that they want you to do giving your time freely giving your resources freely um, putting on that happy face and appearing that everything's happy and rosy it's fine right if you feel like there's something not quite right this open door policy and complete transparency stuff is not what they're claiming it to be as soon as you challenge or start asking too many questions they'll come back at you very aggressive in an intimidating manner 
to the point where your workplace will become very uncomfortable and you'll inevitably leave. I mean, people just can't, that's not sustainable and they bank on that, they count on that. Um, which is also wrong because they are the masters of not firing people. They don't tend to fire people. They turn it around on that person saying that their performance isn't doing, you know, they're not performing well, they're gonna be put on probation. If, you're, if your performance doesn't improve, we're gonna strongly recommend that you consider quitting. Otherwise, we're gonna have to fire you. If we fire you, we can't give you good reference and you won't be able to get a, good, get a job somewhere else. Like nobody's gonna to wanna to hire you. All this kind of, of stuff and um, that's wrong. And these people also need to know that, you know, say, go ahead, fire me, because then you can, you have legal avenues that you can pursue to protect yourself. I mean, people don't realize that you can't just be fired just because. There are certain guidelines that need to be followed for constructive dismissal, dismissal with cause, dismissal without cause. And people are just, I don't know if it's just like, well, I know what it is because I was guilty of this too. So what happens is when you go to work for a big corporation or a big corporation like this takes over somewhere, someone where you, where, you know, you takes over your work and in your employment agreement, they make statements like we comply with the Income Tax Act. We comply with the Employment Standards Act and lead you to believe that they're doing everything by the book. You believe them, you trust them. And no, I had no question. I had no reason to look further into those documents, that legislation, because they've stated it there. We comply with these things. Well, and you would also think like, why would they want to? You know, I think that's like, like, why would they want to like skirt those rules, or why would they yeah. want to, you know, be dishonest about that? <clears throat> so like, you you would want that trust to be there because then they put themselves in a liable position, which you know, now is because, you know, like, I know we haven't put a dollar figure to it, but I believe that you said it's a $20 million. It's $20 million lawsuit, yes. Yeah, and like, that's the inevitable outcome of it. Yeah, and so hundreds of people have been um, lied and deceived to, manipulated and exploited, and um, when you realize, when I realize what's going on and you you know you you ask questions then you're the one that's the troublemaker right and you you're the one that's got to go well no I don't think so we're employees we're not contractors you, you're one or the other and yeah being a big corporation you should know that and these people that you have in the HR departments and payroll departments with all these you know certifications you think they'd know better You'd think they know the the law, the employment laws, and um, so maybe they do, and they're just they're just intimidated by higher ups also, and they just choose to turn a blind eye and do what they're told, and you know, and maybe it's the problem with you know like American companies owning Canadian companies and vice versa, you know, like where like the this might be standard practice in the states, maybe I don't know, like I have no idea what the rules are down there, so they might be thinking like, hey, we're complying. Because they're thinking about their rules, maybe, yeah, or maybe that, that's where their mindset is conditioned. That's how they conducted business there before, and there aren't there aren't the strict regulations there that are here. Well, especially with BC being like pretty socially progressive of a province within Canada too, I'm sure that the Employment Standard Act is a little bit different in BC than it might even be in the rest of the provinces. Perhaps, in Canada. yeah, yeah, but um, 
Yeah, I mean, definitely. The, the, these are in place for a reason. Even Employment Standards Act, if you read it, it says these are the minimum requirements expected of your employer. So if you're not part of a collective agreement or union, these are the minimum standards. Minimum. <laughs> oh, yeah, I was just about to say, I was going to highlight that too. Like, yeah, like it, it, a minimum, not even just like, you know, doing okay or, you know, like optimal work conditions. And especially when you're they're trying to sell an image, like this is the best place to be. So you'd also yeah. want the employment standards, you know, to be able to be at that. You yeah. know, but they're trying to sell like this, you know, great place to be able to work, but like, you know, not even scraping by what the minimums are. Yeah. So how they've justified group fitness instructors being paid only for one hour of their time instead of two like they should be is they're claiming that we're p being paid according to a piece rate or a class rate, um, piece, piece as in piece of pie. Um, but in order to do that, you need to have a variance in place and a lot of people um, don't even know what a variance is, including them, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> so a variance is an important document that the employer needs to apply to uh, through employment standards whenever there is any deviation or variation of the minimum daily pay rule. Which that's got to be a pretty extensive process to yes. be able to, like you like to fight that battle with employment setters as a company like it would have to be pretty extreme to want well, to Well, like, it would have that. to be some kind of variation that would be of benefit to the employee. So by them saying that whatever your class rate is covers a two-hour period already, so no, we're, we are doing things right and we don't owe you more, is, is false and incorrect. They, and they say in employment agreements, they mention this variance and the variance covers this fact that your class rate covers a two-hour period well where's the variance i've asked to see the variance they can't produce one um so variance needs to be applied for it's a document in order to get your variance you need to sit down and have uh, discuss it with your employees that are going to be affected by the variance you then need to get more than 50 percent of those people's names addresses and signatures and then you you send it in, you you apply for it, and then the director of employment standards will either approve it or not. And if it's approved, it it needs to be displayed in your place of work, where the employees that are affected by that variance can see it. And a variance is only valid for a finite time, and then you need to reapply for another variance. And so they've spoken about this variance, which doesn't exist. Does uh, BC Employment Standards have any copy of like a past no, variance? No. Or? So this is one of my other issues that I asked the CEO to clarify and kept blowing me off, putting me off. And finally I thought, I wonder how difficult this is to verify whether one exists. So I called them up. I called up Employment Standards and I said, can you please check if my employer has a valid variance in your system? Uh, the phone call didn't take more than four minutes. And no, there's no... Uh, evidence there's no there's no record of a variance for this employer in the system well and I can't even imagine that there'd be many companies that even have a variance you know so like the database they you know in the grand scheme of how many businesses are out there is probably the percentages are probably yeah. pretty small yeah so they use all these terms and they they have all these policies and terms and stuff that they refer to uh, most of which none of the employees have ever seen or heard of. So again, they're just taking advantage of the fact that they can say, state things, 
and that you're gonna believe them and yeah we've all been guilty of doing that so well especially if they're already regularly holding town halls like that sort of town hall is for us to discuss these specific type of things like you know we're applying for this variance or we have this variance or this variance is coming up to expiration we need these things this is where this variance is going to be posted you know like no, they no. already have a congregation of their staff to be able to like you know yeah. even say okay well we may have not displayed it but we also at this AGM or at this town hall like we talked about this like openly so we can refer back to this or we sent out an email to everybody stating you know like to follow this link or to look at this this document or anything along those lines but you know if there's nobody in the hundreds of employees that are at this company that even has anything remotely to like you can clearly tell that there's probably no effort even you know put into like generate this process starting Oh no, there's never, when they came in in 20, 2009, they came in and had already decided from the beginning that they were gonna do it their way and to heck with employment standards, we're gonna do it this way, nobody's gonna know, mm -hmm. nobody's gonna care, you know, and if they start to ask questions, we'll just make it uncomfortable for them and they'll leave and, and go away quietly. Mm -hmm. And that's what's been happening and that's why they've been getting away with what they've been getting away with for 10 years. and. I felt very strongly that I had to do and say something. Yes, it would have been way easier for me to quit and walk away silently and let it carry on. But no, too many people I've heard from and seen have had physical consequences, almost like into PTSD type things because of their horrific treatment that they've experienced or conditions at their workplace. and. It needs to stop. So, like, what? What are are you? This type of person, because to be able to break something off like this is pretty extraordinary. I think we can all agree to that. Like taking it to like this level, like, like, is this who you are? Or like, was it because you know, like, the social justice side of this? Like, is that what connected you with you know, wanting to take on this process? Like, like, this is this is pretty over the top you know like yeah and and it's not like i agree with it i'm not saying over the top and like that way i'm just saying for some an individual with inside of the company to go this far for everybody not like this isn't just for you like you've included no. all previous you know staff in this lawsuit you know like that's that's huge like what what drives you to want to do this and like and just put this kind of time and effort and obviously the emotional distress that you're going to endure yeah. because it's because you're the face of this whole campaign. Yeah, so my options were to quit and go away and not say anything. The other option was to hire an employment lawyer and just go for what was owed to me, fight for my own self. Um, but that would happen very quietly too. And, you know, they'd still carry on. With it. Like, that's just one person. And then they just sorted it out with that one person. That's a drop in the bucket for them, right? I mean... Um, but no, this this could involve six to seven hundred people. The statute of limitations for um, allows us to cover a two-year time period for any anybody that is or was employed during, from July 3rd, 2017, to July 3rd, 2019, and um, it was. How come it didn't go all the way back to 2012? Is it when they well? So it has to do with politics. So. The liberals, when they came in, they changed the statute of limitations from six years to two. Oh. And it was so that, because 
you know, they want to be buddies with big corporations, right? It's to the benefit of the corporation. If they get sued, they don't have to go back very far and they don't owe people as much. You know, like that is just like absolutely astonishing to go back and even think of like, okay, when the liberals came in power, you know, who are some of the biggest, you know, um, contributors to be able to the like, you know, um, liberal government campaigns to understand like, you know, who these companies were that might have benefited from that, you know, at the beginning to even get that changed, you know, like, like is like, like that just goes to show you like how shady like this whole thing gets like, why change it for like, our government is supposed to represent us as citizens. Yeah. But they changed like a legislation that protects us as citizens. Mm-hmm. Like in like yeah, and you're not even nowhere near to like our benefit. Because yeah. like think how many hundreds of employees that this probably affects. You know, you know, pre that you know two year mark, like where there, this you know lawsuit easily could be oh, like you know thirty, sure. forty, sixty million. Oh yeah, and then even employment standards too. Um, up to just recently, you could only go back six months. But legislation has just changed in the last month or so, and now you can go back 12 months. So for anybody that's an employee that's having issues anywhere, not just in the fitness industry, you can you can contact employment standards and you can talk to them and get information on how you can recoup lost wages if you feel you've not been paid properly. So that's one way you can do it. But yeah, as I said, like for me, um, yeah, I mean, there was a time when I was that person that just was a wanted to was a, like a lemming just follow follow the rest keep your head down don't uh, make waves you don't want to rock the boat you know don't don't be confrontational don't cause conflict because um, you don't even exude it like you yeah, know like no. i know people are going to feel yeah, that like listening to this but you're yeah. not just like fist banging on the table no. you know like throwing chair like you're just like you your your demeanor has always been so calm like yeah. all the time that i've known you just you know very emotionally balanced, you know, very like, you know, calm and like collective and like methodical, like, like, but it's just like, there's just something inside you when yeah. it comes to this, like you've connected with it yeah. and you're just like a tiger with it. Yes. Cause I, so, so I, I, I know I, I felt that too. I thought, Oh, I just, do I just leave it and walk away or do I go with it? And, and it was daunting. It's been daunting. I started this I, I made contact with the law firm at the beginning of January, so this has been six months in already, and now it's not over. It's still going to go on for months and months, but, you know, I'm, I'm committed. I'm prepared, and I know that I haven't done anything wrong. These other people that have been done wrong by, they didn't do anything wrong. Uh, they didn't even know that there's there are resources out there to to get information or help on on you know harassment i mean there's been cases of sexual harassment as well um, that just haven't been reported because people are simply afraid um there's the group of people that um have drank the kool-aid there's the group of people that just don't care there's the group of people that live at home with mom and dad and it's just something fun to do they don't have bills to pay or other responsibilities so who cares Right. And there's the group that are like, well, if you're not going to say anything, I'm not going to say anything. I'll just I'll just go along quietly and and take it until something better comes along and then I'll leave. Right. So but I've been in this for with this company for over 14 years, as I said, and for 10, the last 10, it's been with this group that's operating this company and um, yeah, I mean, I thought, yeah, can I dedicate the time and the gumption to pursue this? And I thought, yeah, 
yes, I can, and I will, and I and I have, and I'm going to keep doing it. <laughs> Do you feel like, you know, just kind of like looking at like more of like a, a broad social aspect and component behind this, like, do you think that there's any component of like this to you that's a part of like the social revolt against like the box in general like where people are stepping away from like you know corporations maybe opening up their own you know a private personal training studio or like um you know people you know stepping out of like the nine to five job and getting more into passion projects where like we've just kind of like a, as a society of like we've had enough like we've We've had enough being like boxed in and pushed in and crammed into these parameters and it's like it's not to our benefit. We realize that it's not for our benefit going to work every day, it's not for our benefit outside of work, it's not a benefit yeah. to our life in general. And like more people are throwing their hands up and being like, No, I've had enough, I'm putting my foot down and this is what I'm going to do. And like this seems like it's that's that's your part of like what you've like offered all yeah. these people because when people listen to this, they can get inspired in, you know, like many different ways of saying like, you know, I'm going through this at my job too. Yes. I'm going to try this. Or, yep. you know, like I am tired of like, you know, these rules and these regulations that aren't in my benefit. How can I, you know, do something where I'm going to connect with what I really want to do? You know, like there's just, I feel like there's this cultural shift in the society shift that's just more people are just saying like, I've had enough. Like this is, this is going to be like too much. And mm -hmm. like, do you feel like that's a part of it? Yeah, of course. I, I, I do. I, people need to realize that there's nothing wrong with listening to your gut and your intuition. If something doesn't feel right, you need to listen to that. If you're having anxiety or depression, um, especially, you know, before, like on the way to work or you feel like you're scared to go to work, what's going to happen? Like, who's going to be watching me? You need to listen to that, right? I mean, you should be, your work, when you go there, you should be looking forward to going there. You should be excited and happy about going there. And while you're there, you should be feeling that too. If you're not feeling that, then why continue? There, the grass is greener on the other side in in some cases, you know. Go and it goes back that. to the old saying too, like the grass is only green where you water it too. That's true. Yeah. yeah. And so this, the these, you know. I mean, a lot of these people are very smart. And I mean, the other part of it, uh, when I was talking to you about like, why don't people say anything? I mean, it's a means to an end. I mean, there's some single parents out there they need to make their rent payment, their mortgage payment. Um, they need that job. So, you know, in a sense, they're, they're kind of trapped. So they feel like they do need to keep their head down and not rock the boat and not say anything. And that, but that comes from this other, they're, they're afraid that if they do say something, they're going to be fired or, you know, they're going to, it's going to become very uncomfortable for them at work. And, and in many cases that has happened and those people unfortunately end up having to leave, mm -hmm. right? Because they got pushed out basically. Which is tough. Um, I know that you got to run, you mm -hmm. know, we're going to wrap this up, but the, the one thing that I want to throw out there, like just at the end is how, if there's anybody that's worked at Steve Nash or, you know, um, known anybody that's currently working there or has worked there, you know, or works there currently, like what can they do to be able to like contact, you know, like, like the, the lawyers fronting this or like yes. be a part of it or get a part of their claim? Yeah. So, uh, if, if you feel like you are part of this claim, you've been employed or are employed from July 3rd, 2017 to, to now, 
um, the law office is Victory Square Law Office in Vancouver or vslo.bc.ca, I believe. And um, yeah, I can, you know, you have the de uh, the documents, the information and the contact information is, the do is in the documents. So I would hope and encourage you to post all yep. 19 pages of this legal claim, including the contact information and name for the lawyer in the law office. And if people have an individual story that they're willing to share, um, that I encourage them to call the law office and share that story because in the case that this goes to trial, we will need witnesses. We will need people to share their stories. And you know, even from that standpoint, like we will be posting the, the uh, law claim and we will be posting the contact information. You know, but I heavily encourage anybody to be able to, to contact, you know, like we or I, you know, via like any social media or we or I podcast at gmail.com. And if you want to come on and share your story too, to bring some authenticity to this, that, you know, it is, you know, more than sharing, like realizing the scope of this problem. And if you have stories you want to share, um, by all means, I would definitely encourage that too. Um, I have one quick question, answer it as quick as you can. Do you think because uh, Steve Nash being a BC resident, he has an obligation to be able to stand up for, you know, like the employees in BC and, you know, make some kind of public statement about this? Oh, so this is, this is difficult because Steve Nash, the former NBA player, actually has nothing to do with this company any longer. And it's really unfortunate that his name is tied to this. He's taken this this group of people to court also ensued them and and for obvious reasons he's wanted to have his image and name removed from all the locations and so he did win that case it's just a matter of when I don't know when the deadline is for them to be required to do their their rebranding but his his he has nothing to do with this, and I think that's important for people to understand too. And in probably inve inevitably, he's going to have to say something because of all of this. And just to clarify that he actually has no involvement in this at all any longer. You know, and that's actually a really good point. And I think like when when uh, when this airs, that I'm going to make a specific point in the social media posts to recognize that fact because that is an atrocity that Steve Neck is. He is, um, you know, like I, I want to hold him in a highlight and I yeah. know he's done amazing things for the community, especially like in BC and even like around the world. So yeah. it is very unfortunate that his name is, you know, a part of this. Yeah. So, um, but again, I know that we need to wrap this up. So uh, Sharon, I just want to thank you so much for coming in and sitting down and, you know, kind of like, you know, talking to us about this claim and, you know, if there's anything that we can do to help and if there's, you know, anybody wants to, you know, um, that needs to contact Sharon or like the company, feel free to reach out and uh, we'll try to connect those dots for you guys. Thank you very much.